Today's episode is sponsored by Zegama Beach Records, who has just released the very first Our Future is an Absolute Shadow full-length record, minimally titled LP, featuring 15 tracks from Adrian, ex-Old Soul, Jesse, ex-Majorel, and Dave, ex-Swallow's Nest. If you're a fan of Fleshborn, Ostraka, or Crowning, you are not going to want to miss this one. The release features guest vocals from Taylor and Jacob from Burial Etiquette, as well as Arvid from Visam Alskade Varanda Samiku, and has been in the works for more than three years. Additionally, ZBR Fest Wave 3 was announced, filling out the May 4th and 5th dates in Chicago at Subterranean. New acts revealed include Fleshborn, Carrion Spring, Gallium, Ed Hockley, Nibuin, Gossip, and One Line Drawing. The May 3rd pre-show will be revealed soon with the final five bands. It'll be a blast. Get tickets at ZBRFest.com. Hello, and welcome to Everything Remade, a podcast that I hope is about growth as much as it is about music. I'm Edie Quinn, and we have a great show lined up for you today. Before we get started, though, I'd like to remind you we have a Patreon page at patreon.com slash human machine. You can sign up there to read zines, get music sneak peeks, and tons more. Patreon.com slash human machine. And now I'd like to play something for you. You're hearing Some Guys by Books Live, featuring my pal Steve Roche on drums. I have been listening to this album and influenced by it immensely for over 20 years, and I didn't even know that Steve was a part of it until hours before our conversation. That is exactly how impressive his discography and body of work is. It definitely would probably be something in <clears throat> something off of Thriller by Michael Jackson. That was the first record I ever bought. I think we had three copies in my house. One was my dad's, one was mine, and one was my brother's. And uh, either that or, I mean, <clears throat> Born in the USA had like just had come out around the same time. That that got a lot of rotation in my house. Apparently, I was really into the Beatles as a young child, and I was singing their songs all the time. I could not sing a single Beatles song now, so I don't know where that information has, has gone to in my brain. But apparently I listened to a lot of the Beatles when I was really little. But but I would say yeah, I would say either Thriller or Born in the USA, probably. Yeah. One of those songs. Those are ones I heard a lot of. Those are like guy. not only two like extremely like iconic albums, but also like the covers. Like they're not gonna like leave your brain. You know, yeah. like if if those are imprinted on you as a kid, for sure those yeah. covers, those album covers, and like, I don't know, that's that's one that's one thing that's kind of, it's like, you know, I think like, there's there's a lot of um, albums that like, like we, could, like somewhere along the lines, like that kind of thing got like lost, in, like. Like album artwork is like really important still, and there's a lot of like really good album artwork, but something mm-hmm. that really speaks to the artist or the album, like other than just like a cool image, 
You know what I mean? Yeah. It's kind of like lost a lot of times, you know? But Yeah. You know, there can they can there's so much I don't know. It's it there's there's so much Photoshop out there, you know. Sure. Uh it, you know, you can't you're not just like you know, I mean, I, I, I'm not like a visual artist in any capacity, never was, but like, yeah. I, I know, you know, when, like you had to have like an idea when you like went out, like, okay, we're going to put a cover together. We got to like, you know, figure this out. You know, there was just like, I think there had to be a lot more like forethought to it. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Whereas now I think you can be like, Hey, like let's pour over the internet and like, or find an artist you really like or whatever, you know, whatever it, it was, I mean, you know, it's, definitely very different times yeah yeah and also i mean there's something to be said about the fact that like um there's i guess there's there's diminishing returns on certain specific like iconographic ideas like you know the the band on the album cover you know Mm -hmm. like how many times can that happen how many times can the artist on the cover like I mean, you still do see it done, like the Charlie, you know, the Charlie album, Crash, where she's yeah. over the hood of the car. Like, that's iconic, you know? Um, mm-hmm. But it's like, yeah, it's like how many how many times are you going to re- reinvent the wheel, I guess, you know, as far as that goes. Um, but yeah, that that's, uh, I think, um, I think that's the first time in a few weeks that someone's brought up Thriller. That's, and I think, you know, I'm I'm just, I'm hitting that that age group you know with my last couple of chats like people my age you know your age and stuff um but yeah um so i mentioned before we started recording that i had a surprise when i was digging into your discography and this one like Mm -hmm. really really smacked me upside the head because like um like this is this is that era of me me listening to music like when the internet was like a brand new thing to me and like um and i didn't like the closest record store was like an hour away they didn't get everything plus if if they did get something you wouldn't get it for like three months after it came out so you had to like know someone who had the thing you know so yeah as playing in some bands back then and my buddy Tommy who I played in this band called Keiki Obali with made me this tape Books Lie and that shit fucking blew my mind and I did not know you were in that band crazy yeah I was in that band that band had a lot of different lives um yeah I was in that band I still talk to Adam uh who was the singer at the time I was in the band uh Frequently, uh, he's he's a still a buddy, old buddy of mine. Um, yeah, he uh, he kind of wanted to do this band. It was like Sasha was kind of wrapping up at the time. <clears throat> it was just it was just a weird time for Sasha. Anyway, yeah, I think or maybe Sasha had already broken up. I don't know. It like happened very quickly. It was my friend Adam. He had played in this band uh, called Yum Yum Tree with uh, our guitar player Don, and I, I hung out with him a little bit more because he was in this. He was in a really awesome band. Uh, from New York called Your Adversary. It was him, uh, our friend JK, played bass, and Chris Jensen from Mountain Records played guitar. <clears throat> they were like a three-piece, and I like recorded them for like my recording project in college. Oh, shit. And, uh, yeah, uh, I don't think those songs ended up on anything. I didn't think it ended up being kind of a demo. I mean, my friend Charles and I had done it uh, as a project, and uh, 
it was like our first day in like the big, the nice, the nice studio at the time at NYU, which was in hindsight, probably not that nice. It was very small. Um, but, uh, yeah, I don't think we really had a great handle on mixing that many tracks. Uh, I think even at the time I had like done stuff on cassette four tracks and I had a half inch eight track that I'd started to mess around with a little bit. But um, I hadn't really dug into that. But yeah, it was, it was it was a really fun. It was a fun band. I really I really did enjoy it. And uh, we had a lot of lineup changes. Like our one guitar, we had a second guitar player for a while. We quit. And our bass player is this guy Bill, who's great bassist. He quit. And Miles Carr, who's a name I'm sure you're, I'd imagine you're familiar with. He he, he joined on as a bassist. And it's comical now, but like Miles and I did not get along. Like we like kind of pushed through for a while. And I just, I was like, I just couldn't do it anymore. I just quit. But then weirdly, they couldn't find a drummer to replace me. So Adam, the singer moved to drums and they got Eric Owens from end of the century party to sing. And then that didn't work out after a while. But I recorded the LP they did with them. Which okay, was also I thought kind of so. Because it was, you, yeah. you were on the credits, so you can never tell sometimes, but. Yeah, no, I did. Like I recorded the LP, I played on the first LP and like, I think we did two seven inches. We just split. Well, we just split with this band called Living Under Lies. We're based in Portland. It was uh, it was Grant from Talk Is Poison and some other friends of ours at the time. And uh, we did a tour down the West Coast with them, which actually, like, I gotta say, taught me how to like tour in a band, which was pretty awesome, and pretty cool. Because before we were just idiots who didn't really know what we were doing. We like wouldn't stay with people. We like drive till we were like, <laughs> we drive after the show till we were like completely exhausted till like three in the morning, four in the morning pull over, get a hotel somewhere, pay for a hotel for like six hours, maybe to sleep in. It was just, it was just like, everything was dumb. It was just dumb. Yeah. But anyway, I learned how to like do the touring thing with those guys. Yeah. But, um, oh, I was going to say not to like put us on too many changes, but the funny thing was that after, um, Eric left, they got this guy, Jeremy to sing. And he is now in like a, I think a pretty big band. Like he, he's, he does that project woods. And he um, he actually played on that Purple Mountains record huh. that came out a couple years ago that I love. That's like one of my favorite records. In, in recent yeah, I don't know if that still counts as the recent year. <laughs> it's like that, 2019 or something, I think. <laughs> that LP was like, I don't, yeah, I don't know. Like, um, in hindsight, it reminds me a lot of the Fuel LP, which is like, okay. you know. Um, but I don't know like which thing I heard of first. I imagine I heard the Fuel LP first, but I'm, I'm yeah, you know, I can't. The I mean, I heard it like pretty much. I heard the LP like when it came out. So like that's twenty, you know, uh, yeah, three years that, ago around. That is high praise. High praise. Yeah. Sarah Kirsch projects are are tough to beat in a lot of ways. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. And and it's. Yeah, I don't know. There was just so much there, like, for me, like, as someone who really liked everything that was going on in, like, <clears throat> chaotic hardcore, but also liked all of that post-hardcore, like, Fugazi influence that y'all mm -hmm. brought, you know, where there's, I mean, like, the song Some Guys, like, that that, that was, like, mind-blowing. Like, there's so much happening in that song. Like, it's unbelievable. Like, it's like somebody just essentially like on purpose was like let's not let's just write 15 random things 
and somehow we're going to make them awesome together. Like, and I don't, I mean, I don't know why it works, but it's just like, I don't know. And that, I feel like that record is just littered with stuff like that. Just like a bunch of like real head scratching kind of like, but no, no, this is, this works. This is consistent. And it's just, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I loved it. And I, I like really took a lot of inspiration from that. And I was just like, until today, had no idea. Like, you know, like we, we, you know, we're chilling at some house in Philly. I don't know. You know, it's like one of the most influential records from that time for me. And I'm just like, you know, what's up? How's it going? <laughs> but, uh, yeah, now I know. That's awesome. Thanks. I mean, that, that was a really fun band. That was a really, really breaking that record. That time in that band was really fun. But I was probably not, I will say I was probably not a, the greatest bandmate because I was so like hyper focused on off minor because that was like playing shows, booking shows, blah, blah, blah. Like, I don't know. That was like probably to an annoying extent to Adam. Uh, but uh, it's cool. We're still buddies. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it took a while. Like, you can, you know, 20 years later, you can just sort of like remember the really cool stuff and that's that's great i mean it's good that it works that way um but yeah so like you were you were saying like seisha was like sort of winding down so like um and then there's like off minor so this is kind of like in between a lot of things um what was like you know what was sort of the first band that you were you know in from back then that was like you said that Looks like sort of showed you as like this is how you should be touring, like yeah. was Seisha touring before that, and it was just like another another nightmare after another nightmare. Yeah, we just I mean like we just didn't know what we were doing. Like, but it was, Seisha wasn't even like my like the first band that I was in that went on tour. We had no business going on tours. We, had, we were called God Awful. Uh, I we were like genre wise kind of all over the place. Like we started out like early Discord worship, and then like. <clears throat> got into weird my war era black flag and then just got weirder and weirder. We ended up getting hopping on the first station tour that I ended up going on, which was uh, with you and I and Ray Stan. And we made no sense on the tour at all. And I remember actually <laughs> we had this one very long song and all three of us sang because our bass player had like flaked out. So my brother, we got him a bass and the three of us played as a three piece and we would play this song. And as the song would start, <laughs> there was a, a point after a while, my brother would just get up to this microphone when we were starting up song and just go, goodbye, everybody, because <laughs> everyone would just leave the room in that. <laughs> so, what, what was going on, like, mood-wise in the song where where the, where the you could see the, the tide shift, as it were? Well, it was, I think it was just us as a band. Like, yeah. we just were, we did not make any sense on a, on a tour with Stacia you and I and Ray Bannon. We yeah. did not make sense on that tour. Yeah. We were like a weird, a weird hardcore band. Like we were, or wanted to be a weird hardcore band. I don't know. But we, we had gone on tours previously, had no idea what we were doing. And Seisha, Seisha had like, you know, we had like, people actually like wanted to see Seisha. Not a lot of people wanted to see Seisha. I think like, honestly, before these reunion shows, the most that we ever drew anywhere was probably like 60 people. <clears throat> um, and like, you know, but we, we still also, you know, we were all fairly young and like hadn't really done much touring. Um, I don't think any of us had really done any touring really. And, you know, my, my tour knowledge came from like reading Get in the Van when I was like a, you know, a sophomore in high school, you know, when it came out. And, um, you know, so I was like, oh, you got to be tough. 
sleep in the van, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Like, I don't know. Didn't, yeah. didn't really have a, have a game plan. <clears throat> so, yeah. but then going on tour, we, you know, we would never, like, Seisha would never cook at anyone's house. We wouldn't often not stay at people's houses unless it was like a very nice, a very, a very comfortable setup or like just, you know, it'd been offered to us or whatever, you know? Um, yeah, we just didn't really have a good game plan. It was also really funny because this, the first, the touring we were doing was like 1999, 1998. And like, you know, we were all like vegan and vegetarian at that point, which was not like easily accessible. It's not like, I mean, we probably could have gone into like a supermarket and like bought some weird tofu somewhere and maybe some soy milk, but it's not like we would have been able to like, I don't know, go order a veggie burger somewhere. It's yeah. not like, you know, it, wasn't, it wasn't a thing. We would literally eat like salad sandwiches from Subway. That's mm-hmm. like what we would. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's, I mean, yeah. I mean, if you, you've, you've been kicking around that as almost, I think more or less as long as I have. So, yeah. you know, you, you know, this stuff. Yeah. yeah it's just, there was the minute, the dark ages. For, for sure. There was the minute there when Arby's like introduced like sub sandwiches and, um, they didn't have a, a vegetarian sandwich. So like, <clears throat> I was like, knew somebody that worked at an Arby's. So they told me how to order it like for cheaper, like <clears throat> sort of like, <clears throat> excuse me. Cause like, um, you're not getting the meat or whatever. So they write, ring it up as a junior special and blah, blah, blah. And we were like in Alabama or something on tour. And I'm just like, trying to, I'm like being as polite as possible, but I'm like, oh, I, I like, I said I worked at, at the Arby's just to like shortcut that part. I'm like, oh, you just ring it up as a junior special or whatever. And the the person that was working there, like he would not have it. He was like so mad at me for not getting meat on an Arby's sandwich. He was like, he was yeah. like, he was like, I'll make it without meat, but if you want it without meat, you're going to pay for it, you know? And he was like, he was like getting hostile with me. And I'm like, I never knew that this would be so offensive to someone but you know now what a weird hell of die on <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, the way arby's commercials are now like i get it because they're all about that i mean they tell you like look meat is our entire you know existence but yeah uh, <clears throat> really silly um and uh yeah it's like you can never take for granted like uh something like i mean even though it's like whatever this is all like uh cor- corporate shtick sh- or whatever but like chipotle or something like that you never take that for granted as a touring person like now where you can yeah. actually go in and get something that's like you know halfway fresh and you know halfway nutritious you know yeah um but yeah that's um I, there was a there was a time like before I think we spoke about this uh, once, but there was a time before I lived in my old house when Seisha played there and I was working at the pizza place and I got off work like it's a pizza place. So it's like one of those things like you get off when you're not busy, you know? Yeah. And I was like, I got to see this band. I got to see this band. I lived like um, like 30 seconds like from where I worked, you know, I got off, I went there, y'all were breaking down. Like you, yeah, not the only band that happened to, to like the other band that that happened to KMB communique. So like two bands, I never got to see that I would more than any other bands I could think of. Like, you know, maybe you and I is in there for sure. Um, But yeah, like, 
I also saw KMB like just I heard like the last like mm, 20 seconds or so while I was like getting out of my car and going into the house with KMB and I was like I know oh, this man. song I was like oh my god oh my god I, it's a, and I was like this, this it was like I think it was like the second song on the seven inch so I was like maybe they're playing them in order I still get to hear the other two you know or something yeah but no that was it that was the last one yeah but uh yeah was um, it in March that we played I, I you know like I said like I don't I don't remember um but that seems about right like I it was this weird... I, just because I have a decent memory of like shows and tours and stuff and I think because the first tour we did to the Midwest, we didn't play in Indiana. We played, I think we played Detroit, and then as soon as Detroit was done, we drove to Chicago. And then, but then in the spring, we had played, like, we played a house in, I think, Lafayette. Mm-hmm. And that sounds right, because then the second time through, which would have been the following summer, we played Lafayette, but it was like another guy gym or something like we I remember race band and played it was like that was a much bigger thing it was like almost like a fest or something hmm. um but i think it was like race band you serve i actually have i think i saw photos of of race band and playing at that show i was like thinking i was a photographer and i have like some some pictures might that have been like a church on campus or something that sounds right if it was it was big yeah, there there was like a church basement or something maybe. Yeah, yeah, there was a church yeah. there for a while where if if you were gonna have like a thing that they they'd let it you know they'd let mm-hmm. you. Uh, I don't even know if they like charged people to do oh, that. Wow. Like um, <clears throat> played there cool. a couple times like in a different band in it, and it's it's one of those things where it's just like it didn't really matter like if a bunch of people came or not, like it's obviously it's good if it does. Cause it was like big, mm. like you said, but like, yeah, it was, it would be kind of weird. Like, you know, there's like only 40 people <laughs> and you're yeah. like, you're having a good time, but it's like, it feels like, like, well, okay. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. You know, this, like we're doing this ain't shit. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, um, <clears throat> yeah. That was like, I don't know. It was like first Unitarian church or something like that. It's like over okay. campus. And, yeah, everybody was always like, "You you got to have the show on campus because like more people will come if it's on campus." And it's just like that could be true sometimes, but not always. And it's just like the situation, like they only did shows on certain days, and you can't tell a mm-hmm. band that's touring, you know, it has to be on this day or whatever, you know. But yeah, yeah, that that was like <clears throat> that was a real like. Um, sort of interesting time for shows around here because like that was like the first house venue really in lafayette you know and then yeah <clears throat> there were some other cool things but yeah um did you dudes live there too yeah i actually like they lived there when y'all played there yeah and i just i worked with them and then they were like mm-hmm. we're moving we got like three more months on our lease do you want to take it over when we okay can you move in now and i'm like i can move in in like two weeks and it just it just i was living in this apartment that like sucked and the rent was almost as much as this house so it was just like if i could get like one other person to live there you know you're fine yeah yeah, and uh it was like it was a big house you don't know if you remember but there was like five bedrooms and it was like okay 
it was like six hundred and seventy five dollars a month. Like damn, you know, and we and there's no one around. You could do shows, you could play late as you want. I mean it was a, it was awesome, you know. I lived there for twenty years, so you know Damn. But uh Holy shit. since like practically since y'all played until like two years ago <laughs> that is wild yeah yeah like, wow you paid for that house i'm sure you know? a couple times at this point yeah god damn yeah that i'm and i we actually did try to buy it but it if i don't know if you remember but there was a strip mall it was like right next to a small strip mall i don't remember that at all and it no. was like because there's this huge gravel parking lot and stuff but mm-hmm. so like it was like actually zoned with that strip mall and the owner was like i don't want to fool with that he was like i i would sell it because i don't need this house but like i don't want to fool with the rezoning so that's why and then like when they sold it they basically sold it into like a black black rock dude or something you know like some huge like this guy bought like the owner which is real weird circumstance like the owner who owned our house like he owned properties all over town he had like yeah millions and millions of dollars worth of properties but he like didn't have anything else to do so he would like literally be the one that came over and looked at your shit when it was busted and you're like you like you have so much money like why like why aren't you just on a porch somewhere like why are you in my basement you know yeah but um that's just i don't know that's how he was but anyway he was just like Did he fix things or not really? <laughs> <laughs> kinda sorta, right? You know? Like he was I mean, you know, better than a better than a lot of horror stories you hear about that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. No no painting over roaches and stuff like that. But uh <laughs> but yeah, like um he's he just like yeah, he sold he sold like eighteen million dollars worth of properties and he was like, Yeah, I'm cool I'm cool. I'm gonna I'm gonna just go sit around now. But and yeah. happen to, ours happened to be one of them, but yeah, Must be nice. I still get people every once in a while like uh, that knew me from back then. Hey, you're not in that house anymore. Like, who's who? Like, who's renting it? Thinking they're gonna start house shows again? I'm like, <laughs> no one's lived in that house for two years. Like, they're yeah. they don't care. You know, they're just yeah. They just want the property. But yeah, hmm. really weird situation. It's a wow. yeah. It's like I don't know. It's real weird when you like. It, it that that house like for two years three years or whatever like 
it meant a whole lot to a lot of people, you know, mm-hmm. uh, not just like, you know, but like bands knew who knew about the house and they knew to get a hold of you, you know, or the usurp kids before us, you know. Yeah. And it's real weird when it just becomes just like, okay, like, you know, its story is sort of over at that point, you know? Yeah. I don't know. It's all fluid. It's like how it is. I mean, I don't know, like how, like Philly have a ton of like house venues, but like, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I'm, I've lived here, God, almost 22 years at this point, And like, I've seen a million house venues or warehouse spaces like come and go. And it's just, it's just how it goes, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Young young person's game mostly, <laughs> and yeah. that's and it's all you know. It's yeah. what they can afford. They live in some weird punk house and they put on shows until the cops show them down too many times. The landlord kicks them out, or the neighbors freak out. You know, whatever. I don't know. Yeah, that's how it goes. I was actually just recounting the other day. Uh, <clears throat> uh, Dan Higgs from Lungfish. Right after Lungfish broke up, he he did like some solo stuff, and <clears throat> he was um. He had a couple performances in Philly. One was literally in a living room that I think was maybe probably about two blocks from where I am right now. He played, he played in a living room. Just He played like a, a juice harp, and um, he had a violin player accompanying him. And I saw him play in a living room by candlelight with like 12 other people. I was sitting on a couch. It was really lovely and like wonderful. But then as soon as he was done, before like the show disbanded and stuff, the, a mad neighbor uh, discharged a fire extinguisher through the mail slot, and it got <laughs> the only person he got was my brother, who like got <laughs> covered. I guess he was like pissed. I don't think it was even that loud. It just seemed kind of crazy, but I don't know, whatever. But it was just a really wild end of the night. So my brother got shot with a fire extinguisher. Oh, <laughs> so that is fucking wild. Yeah, I, I don't. Yeah, no, I don't have any fire extinguisher stories or anything like that. Just, um, you know, like, uh, lots of like, you know, don't, please don't shoot, um, uh, fireworks and stuff like that, you know? Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's, I don't know, like, I guess it's like, you know, you, you said you're like, yeah, it's like a, you know, it's a young person's game. And I, I mean, that's part of like all of this too is like when you just are getting older and you feel sentimental about stuff like that, you know? And also like, I mean, I, I raised like my family there and stuff, you know? So it was, it was, it had, the house had several lives, you know? Yeah. Like, but, um, yeah, I don't know, you know, 2.0. I'm, I'm never moving from this house. They'll have to bury me in it. Um, but, uh, yeah, like, you know, we got started talking about off minor and um this this is obviously like a this was like a huge part of like your sort of like music like is that the band that you spent the most time in? Oh absolutely. Yeah, yeah I mean I, I thought we so. were a band for I guess nine years and <clears throat> Almost, we almost made it to 10. Uh, you know, we literally went all over the world. Like, I booked so many tours and shows and just, like, you know, I literally, I did literally bankrupt myself doing that band. Yeah. Uh, I, I uh, you know, we, 
<clears throat> we did some outrageous stuff. Uh, you know, we toured Australia three times. We toured New Zealand. We toured like Indonesia and Japan and Europe a bunch. And like, we, we did a lot of stuff. I'm really proud of what we did. <clears throat> um, I don't know that I would do any of it again. Yeah. <laughs> Just cause like uh, Jamie and I were not, we were, I, I would say easily the last half of that band, we were not friends. You know, we, I, I love the music he made and, uh, I, you know, I loved playing it, but like the, the opportunity cost of it was, was high yeah. and it was, it was, it was hard. And, uh, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, that band, that band felt like my band, like yeah. uh, not ju- not solely my band, but it was like I, I felt a lot of ownership of that band just because of how much work I put into it and how much time and like resources. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, we, we like as punks, you know, and stuff, we shy away from talking about that aspect, you know, because it's like mm-hmm. in the end, it's like you, you're like I, I bankrupted myself. Like I, I literally have like i i've been in this position where it's like you you bet on yourself you know you're you're betting on yourself you're betting on your dreams your your music Mm -hmm. your you know and you're just like all all i want is this to come back even you know and it's like it's so difficult because it doesn't you know yeah but you keep going and it's not because it's not because you it's not because like you're looking like oh this next thing is gonna like it's a it's like maybe a gambling mentality but you're not looking to like win you're just looking to like just for it to take care of itself right and like yeah i mean it's one of those things it's like you said would you do it again and that's tough right because it's like what else are you gonna do you you're betting on yourself and there's for sure like a nobility in that but like as you get older you're like damn i wish i knew like how to balance that with a little more like uh long-term thought you know or like a little more sense you know the sensibilities that you might you know you might have picked up and yeah i don't know it's i don't know it's hard it's hard i i personally no go ahead I will say, like, comically, perhaps, that I don't, the, the thing I, I, I probably most <laughs> be, like, uh, I would, the financial portion of it, yes, was, was dumb in a lot of ways. I made a lot of poor decisions, and that is, that is not the part that I have regrets about, frankly. Like, what I have regrets about is, like, the fact that I did spend another five years in that band touring in a band with my brother and this person that was not my friend. Yeah. <laughs> so that was like, it was like the interpersonal thing was like, yeah. cause here I was, you know, we were like on other parts, other parts of the planet that I will probably, many of them I will probably never return to in my life. Mm-hmm. And I should have been having the time of my life. And sometimes I still did despite, despite everything. But mm-hmm. it was it, just a lot of things were, a lot of things were tainted. Yeah. you know and it was it, it and it uh and i i like personally like did not have the easiest time with a lot of it and i think i don't think i would put up with that portion of it for yeah, sure that's fair i mean <clears throat> it's that other part of that investment like your your time and your experiences like experiences that you won't like likely get to have again you know mm-hmm. um and 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 like there's 
that part of it that was like sort of, you know, you can't help but feel a little bit robbed because you were in a situation that where you like were, you know, whether it was like infighting, you know, or just like <clears throat> having to, in some instances where you like just have to walk on eggshells around other people, you know, whatever the case may be, it's like, yeah, yeah <clears throat> it's easy to look back on it now and be like, damn, I wish I could have invested that time of my life when I had the, those opportunities in uh, one of the projects that I have now where I, I'm playing with people that I all I love and adore and, you know, yeah. and you feel genuine kinship with and stuff like that. Yeah, I mean... No. Therapy helps. <laughs> so, you know. For sure. I don't know. Um, you know, yeah, I mean, that was, that was my 20s. Like, my 20s were spent in a minor. Or, like, literally, we tur I turned 30 on that last tour we did. And just uh, quite an experience. I turned 30 on tour in Japan. That was pretty funny. That was wild. <laughs> the bands we were on tour with, they in her arms. And I think Eli, they brought us, they brought me a vegan birthday cake in Japan in like the mid 2000s and the late 2000s. It's not, not, not a great, not a great cake. Not it was a great like, cake. And, but the one thing that was funny is they brought it to me on stage while we were about to play. And it was covered <laughs> in shredded coconut. It had candles on it. And I'm like, okay, everyone's looking at me. I got to blow out these candles. So I like gave it a, a good go. And I blew shredded coconut like, all over my drums, all over the stage. Like co I covered everything in shredded coconut. It was, it was, it was uh, not a great way to start the set. It wasn't it's cool, like, like coconut bouncing off your tom heads and stuff. Yeah, that was well. The symbols I remember the most, most significantly. <laughs> they just they got hit, I think, with the most of it. So yeah, that was that was pretty funny. <laughs> That's wild. I mean, um, bless them. For, for making that happen for you. But it was yeah. very sweet. They were love. They were totally lovely people. Yeah. Uh, also, I mean, you. It's like it's not like you ever really seemed to stop making music or anything. But yeah, there's no one cared about it a long time. <laughs> well, <laughs> I, I feel you. I feel you. Um, but like, but off minor seemed to be the like thing where it's like you went on and you did projects that were much more low-key much more like not not really like one and done although there were a couple projects that i checked out earlier that i d didn't even know about that like you only had like a, a single singular release or whatever yeah um just like the timing was right make some music with some folks you know um, yeah but um <clears throat> I mean, I imagine a lot of that is to do with the sort of emotional toll or whatever that the end of off minor was taking. Um, but was there like, also, was that when you were really trying to get your studio up and running as well? Or I mean, the studio was always kind of going. When I came back from that last tour, the studio was like really going for a good while. Um, and... I don't know. I was just like, I wasn't even like fried. Like I, I think I was still, I was still playing a couple bands in Philly. Um, <clears throat> this one band, I did this band amateur party for a really long time with uh -huh. my really friend Mike from my, uh, from Kilometer Questions. Andrew was in it from, for a while. He was, he was, he was in it before I was, he was also in Kill the Man. He was in Limp Wrist. 
dear, dear friends, both of them to this day. And, uh, that band was really fun, but like also, you know, they, they had done other bands too. And, you know, we, at that point I also, I think it's just a matter of like growing older, like having a career sort of, and like, you know, just not, and just everyone else, you know, you're playing with it. We're all getting, you know, we're all getting older. We're all getting more responsibilities. We all can't take off, you know, a month from work to go on tour you know, as easily as we used to, because, you know, we maybe have a job we maybe give a little bit of shit about, or, like, have a better living situation, or maybe some people have mortgages, you know, like, you know, there's other stuff in there, or some people have children, you know, families, and, you know, things get things get more complicated, you know? I, uh, it's, uh, you know, so that, that definitely had a part in it. I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I wasn't, like, I definitely, like, I, I really liked touring. It was fun, you know, even when, like, <clears throat> even when no one gave a shit about my bands, it was like a little frustrating at times, but it was fun. It was still fun. Like I still went on some tours. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it was, it was just, uh, yeah, just like a lot of things never just really kind of took off. Cause yeah, I mean, it's, it's just like, if you don't, you know, I think early, early in off minor's life, I was very fortunate. I was booking shows at ABC No Rio, which is like the, at the time, literally like the only DIY venue in New York city. And like, it was the easiest booking job you could ever ask for. You'd be like, Oh, like, yeah, the locusts want to play or, Oh, for Masters rise, want to play. like every, every band wanted to play because it was the only place in New York they could play at the time. And so I had, I had, I had all of these contacts from that and just, it just made touring really easy. And then after I kind of like, I think like in the mid 2000s, I did, I booked a bunch of tours because Offminer was still touring. I booked tours for Amanda Woodward. I booked tours for Yaga, uh, this band from England called Cat on Form. I booked a Yaffa Koto tour. I was like booking other stuff, but not to the point that I was like going to make it my job or anything. Like, and, but then I think, I think after like 2005, I didn't book another U.S. tour for like six or seven years. And, you know, obviously in six or seven years, that's like oh, yeah. multiple generations of contacts have, have been gone at this, at that point. So you're, you're hard up, you know, and then it's hard. It's just, it's a hard thing to catch up on, especially when you're not like going out to shows all the time and playing shows all the time. And, you know, it's just, it just, you know, you can't, it's hard to keep up. Yeah. So that kind of, I feel like that, you know, that was against us. Well, a lot of those bands, but yeah. And just, and just life stuff, you know, just, um, you know, it's funny because, like, I, I really didn't even mind the fact that, like, no, I mean, that, like, those bands, like, you know, we'd go out, you know, maybe it cost me 200 bucks to be gone for a weekend to play shows. Like, yeah. it wasn't that big a deal. They're like, okay, like, cool, I got to see some friends and eat some food or, what, you know, whatever. Yeah, like, yeah. I got to do some stuff. So that was fine, you know. <clears throat> so that, like, that was, that was all okay. And it's actually kind of, it's very... I mean, it's lovely now with Asia stuff is amazing because, uh, you know, we <laughs> get to like play these bananas shows and like, I can like go out and like see people and do, I can, I don't know. It's just, it's very nice. It's these like compact little things. We're like, okay, it's like this weekend doing that stuff after that, like back to normal life, like whatever. It's fine. Yeah. So <clears throat> yeah, it's, it's I'm getting uh, over COVID. I'm a little. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm glad to hear that y'all are on the mend. That's, that's terrible. Yeah. I, especially uh, with your little one. That's, you know, that's like, I can't stand to see the little one sick. That's awful. <clears throat> but um, yeah, not easy. 
I was going to bring up Amateur Party because that, that was one of the ones I, I had never heard before. Um, and like, yeah, there, <clears throat> there's, I feel like there's probably a lot of bands that are similar, like that do that kind of like Q and not you, you know, sort of, but I'm not that like dialed into those bands. So when mm-hmm. I find a band like that, I'm like, fuck yeah, I know what I'm listening to for like the next three or four days. Um, so yeah, I was, I was like, holy shit, this is, this is fucking rad. And like, um, another band I was really stoked to, that I just heard about today was, um, Yo Man Go. Oh, okay. Um, which is, it, there wasn't that much about it. If I remember, there was like a seven inch that I listened to and there was like two other things I think that I saw, but I didn't get a chance to listen to, but like that real, like, uh, there was like a real specific, like, th- like y'all were like later than that. I don't remember the timeline on that. That was maybe 2012 ish or something. Was that around there? Yo, man, go. That was like yeah. 2006, 2007. Oh, okay. And it, comically, like, so their original drummer was this guy, Dave. I'm still friendly with. Um, he actually played. He was in the last incarnation of Rambo as the drummer. Okay. Not on the newest record, but he. Um, he was in Rambo for a good long while, and he also was a, the, ba- the first bassist in Piss Team. <clears throat> but he, he had moved, cause he, so he had probably more than you need to know, I guess. He had, he had a, a business uh, turning, uh, converting trucks and cars to run a vegetable oil. And he got a very lucrative deal from the then mayor of Braddock, who's outside of Pittsburgh, John Fetterman, who is now our shithead senator oh, wow. <laughs> for a fucking ceasefire uh, in Pennsylvania. <laughs> And uh, anyway, so he left all his bands and moved his whole business and his whole operation to Pittsburgh, basically. So he left all these bands, including Yo Man Go, and I got asked to play in the band. And I was like, hey, I, I knew Jordan, the singer. And I was like, I'll do it if you change your band name. That is a fucking terrible band name. And he's like, okay, we're, we're, we'll change your band name. And like, we could never come to an agreement on what the band name was. So it just ended up being Yo Man Go. So I just, I lost. So. Well, I saw on the 7 inch, it just says YMG. So was yeah. that the compromise? Like, look, let's. Take <laughs> yeah, well, it was like seven. I think the YMG, and there were like multiple cover variations. I think there was like, like one with the that stand for. Uh, they had different uh, different meanings. One was uh, "Yesterday's Memories Gone" was like the emo name. Oh. There was a uh, young male guys was another one. <laughs> there was like. There was like I can't remember all of them, but they're all pretty funny. Uh, but yeah, and they, and they, I think they, I think they got, they played another show or two, because like they, they, we couldn't keep a bass player either. So my brother played bass in that band for a bit too. Um, Kev, Kev has like followed me in a lot of my bands over the years. He's been, he's been the bassist I in a lot. That. Yeah, it happens. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> in the family, but um, he. Uh, he uh, he played he played bass but they in, in on some of that stuff the last tour I don't think he played but they recorded a song that I think they had never finished and I I just like didn't have time to do it so I think Dave might have played drums on that so that might have come out in 2012 I don't know something else something came out like way after the band broke up uh, and that was, I think I just was you know I was bouncing around so much and <laughs> and with the way I was looking through things like none of it was chronological so i was like this is gonna be good luck if i get any of this right but um mm. i um 
that the reason why like I was asking about the time in the first place is because it really reminds me a lot of like 1994 like um, Florida like power pop you know okay okay um, I can see that there, there was and then there was like there was bands that came sort of after y'all that like you know like grown-ups or whatever you know you mm-hmm. might compare that but you, you know y'all were before grown-ups um, yeah but yeah I mean <clears throat> I don't know what they call that like uh they i think they had an i think they had a term for it the the only term that's coming to mind now is org core but i think that means like bands that sound like small brown bike or whatever um, but uh yeah uh, they always had they always had like funny funny names and, and yeah and for for like stuff and uh and, well they tore we toured with bridge and tunnel that makes sense too that 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 yeah that, like uh, connection, connection basically yeah 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 that's a great band too. Don't hear a lot of people uh, talk about them. Like a lot of people talk about bands that uh, sound similar, but not not nearly enough. Bridge and Tunnel love like. Uh, oh, they're great. Yeah, I, I love Al. Like I've known Al since you know Nakatomi Plaza days, and. Uh, oh man. Yeah. Just oh, Al, lovely. Kill, I, I did a band with Al. I did a band with Al too. <clears throat> right. Right. Uh, yeah. Uh, what was the name? What was that one called? Iffy. Okay. Yeah, it was, I don't it was Al we, and Tim, Tim Morris from Brainworms. There wasn't very much Ultra of that, Dolphin. was there? Uh, no, we we played a we played a good amount of shows, but it was weird because I think like I like Tim moved to he got a, a PhD program at Rutgers, so he moved to New Brunswick, and then once COVID hit, it was just like I I, I still have not heard from Al since COVID hit. Yeah, I, like, I, um, I, I just maybe like brief back and forths on Instagram or something with them, but yeah. like not, you know, not, uh, I haven't seen, I haven't, I haven't seen Al since, uh, uh, shit, like, you know, I don't know, 2001 or something, you know? Well, okay, yeah. Yeah, but we used to. Yeah, um, Sasquatch sighting. <laughs> yeah, we used to really like, run the you know run the route with nakatomi plaza back in the day uh, mm-hmm. i i think it had to have been uh Ke- keiki obari that that did the shows with them i think so that's a, that seems like about the right time like 2000 2001 was keiki obari um and uh yeah we i mean we we I had just like so many experiences where it was just like we're three days out towards them or whatever and then they're three mm-hmm. days back here like within a couple months you know where that would happen yeah. and and uh nice. one of the weirdest one of the most like um al wasn't there for this but um <clears throat> it was a couple of us from it was me and a couple folks from Nakatomi Plaza, and um, I was the assistant manager at a Domino's, and okay. we played this show like at my house, and um, it was like after the Domino's was closed and stuff, and yeah. uh, and I was just like, "Do y'all want to go and make pizzas?" <laughs> and so it's like three in the morning. And I've got the key to this Domino's, and I'm driving with the drummer. And uh, I don't think that Oscar went, and I know Al didn't go. But I'm driving Joel. 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 Yeah. And 
And the other person who was in the band at the time, the other guitar player, I can't remember their name either. Um, but or maybe it was just somebody that was on tour with them. I I'm not sure. Yeah. It was Joel, and we yeah. were driving out to the Dominoes, 3 a.m., and we were listening to um, "Spine and Sensory" by Tristeza, and okay. like the second track comes on, it's pitch black everywhere. It's Lafayette. There's like no one on the street at that time. Yeah, we just had a such a fun show i'm with my friends from across the country like it was just such a profound experience and and i'm just it's like it is like that song comes on and this memory is just locked in my head like one of the best times of my life i'm just like and we went over there we were in the dominoes we're like illegally making pizza i mean i had the keys you know so we're in there making pizza and uh and 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 uh and uh And Joel is like, was there a, was there someone named Liam as well, at some point? I don't I don't remember. I just know. Well, I, I went to college with Oscar, and mm-hmm. I knew Al peripherally, at least from being in the band. And I think Joel was in another band that I had recorded, yeah, a million years ago, like back in my eight track. Right. Um, I think that 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 uh, the time that we had played shows with. Nakatomi, there were like a couple of different drummers and stuff too, so I might be like mixing names up. But like yeah. we, we go out there and and they're like they're like, hey, because I had like my work shirt in my car and they're like, Can we put on your work shirt and we'll take pictures and stuff? And so like I still have these pictures that I just like <laughs> sometimes of us in this dominoes three in the morning making pizzas and you know, these people from halfway across you know the country and and they're in these dominoes uniforms uh, but yeah i don't know that's that's i mean that's punk memories right there that's good times yeah that's cool yeah every once in a while plus i have a shoebox full of old photos i'll bust out i have a lot of i have a lot of silly ones with steve aoki believe it or not oh, <laughs> so was that um yeah. like this machine kills era or yeah i book so i was asked to play drums on their U.S. tour, and I was asked to book it also, which I did in 2001. <clears throat> and at the end of that tour, I was like, I'm not fucking doing anything with this band ever again. Like, Steve and I were still friendly, but I was like, I just, I, I just wasn't necessarily getting along with everyone, so I was like, eh, I don't think I want to do this again. But then the next year, he hit me up, probably like not even six months later, he's like, hey, we're going to go back to Japan with Yafikoto and tour with Envy. Like, I got to ask our drummer Yog first, if he can do it, but he's, I don't think he's gonna be able to do it. Would you do it? And I was like, okay. And then it turned out that, so I was like, but it has to be after the off minor tour. And so we booked it around the off minor tour, but then it turned out Yog was able to do the tour. So I was like, ah, bummer. And then I remember like a few months later being in Germany, I saw like ran into Yafikoto at a show. They were playing in Hamburg. I like happened to be in town that night. So I went to the show hanging out with him and Casey and I were really tight at the time and Casey's like ah gotta come on that tour somehow man break that dude's legs or whatever you know whatever he's <laughs> joking maybe I don't know Casey's strange character uh but uh but then a few weeks later he's like hey he called me he's like hey I gotta talk to you it's like urgent and I was like what's going on he's like we need to buy our tickets to Japan like tomorrow and we have not heard from Scott in days and so he's like can you do it and I was like sure it was like already booked around my schedule so and then I did like on the U.S. tour of Off Minor, I like 
practice with the Afikoto the day off minor played Gilman. <laughs> and then as soon as the tour was over, the morning after, flew to Oakland, practiced the Afikoto again. Then we drove down to LA, flew to Japan, practiced one more time in Japan, and then I did the tour with him. That's nuts. It was bananas. <sighs> well, also the crazy thing was like, so this is also right when Footprints came out, and Envy, where Envy have always been amazing, they were fucking phenomenal, and we had to play fucking after them almost every single night, <laughs> except for like two, two shows. They played last, but it was like we had to play after Envy, and they were so fucking good. It was, was it bananas. Like a. Uh, it, was it a like a courtesy thing? Like, what was the? Uh... I I don't know. I don't know. I think I think Dakota were like kind of big over there. We sold a lot of shirts. I mean, like bef- by far the most I'd ever at that time in my life. I mean, we like I think for the we kept printing more shirts and printing more shirts and printing more shirts. And I think like we played at this the second last show is at this club Antinock, um, which I'm pretty sure it's still there. As I, as it was explained to me, is like the CBG of. Tokyo, oh, wow. um, legendary like venue, Staple and place. we played there. And we we had made, I think, three hundred shirts, and I think we sold all of them in like twenty minutes. That's wild. It was crazy. I haven't <clears throat> sold three hundred shirts in ten years. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh, believe me, I have a basement full of bullshit shirts that like are never going to be sold of many bands I've done over the years. So. <clears throat> I don't have I don't have a um I don't have a whole lot of backstock luckily because at some point I decided like hey I should make them in manageable amounts and I should make them myself so like I can you know I can I can have the shirts and I can have the screens and I can mm-hmm. print them like yeah uh, you know as I run out or whatever but uh yeah I never I never want to screen print another t-shirt as long as I fucking live I've uh, like I did I must have printed like 1200 off minor shirts myself like oh my gosh my disco shirts uh I don't know. I just I printed so many shirts. I just I can't. I I don't want to do it ever again. It's horrible. Oh, I, I remember in ABC No Rio they had a screen printing shop and like Matt Smith, the first base player of uh, Off Minor, and I were making off these Off Minor shirts up there with plastiball, and then the ABC No Rio screen printing shop, which had no ventilation yeah. at all. Uh, and uh, we definitely were like high in fumes, and definitely set a couple shirts on fire under the heat, oh, under shit. the spot, the spot heater by accident. So, <laughs> oh, shit. yeah, yeah, yeah that's not, a, not that's smart. a different experience than what I have like with with um, non toxic uh, materials in mm-hmm. in my basement, listening to like uh, old Mighty Boss Tones tapes or whatever. You know? <laughs> like, um, where it's just like I'm in a I'm in a real like. I'm in a real like tranquil, like almost like Zen-like state when I'm printing stuff. I'm just like, mm-hmm. this is very chill. Like, I don't like my I, my brain can go silent for a little bit. You know, it's kind of mm-hmm. nice. But uh, yeah, um, it's yeah, that's wild. Like 300 shirts. There's, I don't know. Like, um, there's all there's always like, you know, stories that like. Uh, <clears throat> I hear about like numbers are funny, right? Cause like there's, there's this one like uh, ca- uh cartoonist that I like and they, they were at like a comic con, like way, way before comic cons were a thing. Right. And 
that they sold like uh, 1,200 copies of like this comic zine that they made. And then like this guy who later um, started this company called Fantagraphics, which is like a big name in the comics world now, you know. Um, I've heard of that. Yeah, he was like, he was like 1,200, that's not shit. And so this person, like, they, they're really like, uh, they're, you know, they, they talk about it in this one interview where they're like, they're like, emotional stability was not great at that time. And they're like, that knocked them down a peg. Like, you know, this 1200. And I was like, I would shit myself if I sold 1200, like in yeah. a year, let alone, yeah. you know, like one night. Like, and yeah, it's, it's funny because, you know, you like, there's, there's like all of this, like you mentioned earlier, a good Seisha show back in the day was 60 people. Now you're flying out and they're, and the, show, the shows are sold out like at half hour after you post them or whatever. Yeah, it's and bananas. It's, it's really <clears throat> wild because it's like I'm glad to see like people that I know and care about like Tom and, you know, and you and stuff. And I'm glad to see you sort of like getting your flowers while you still can, you know, like because we did go through that, like, uh, we, we did, you know, we were down in the trenches, you know, as, as oh, we yeah. were, and, uh, we were sleeping on For longer than was healthy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We were, we were sleeping in the Walmart parking lots, like everybody else, you know, and whatnot. Yeah. And, um, and so there's uh, obviously we, something wrong with us. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. Right. But, um, at the same time, it's like, I was thinking to myself earlier, you know, I'm like, if people don't like hundreds of AU now, like they will, they will not get this chance. Like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And that, that's like, I mean, it's like, oh, you know, we're getting old. So it's like, there ain't no change in that. And it's, there's no sense in getting like, you know, upset about it or whatever, yeah. however you're going to feel about it. But it, like, you know, when you realize that you get that for a second, you're like, if, if people don't like Homer Regalia now, that's cool. Like, I'm not trying, that's not the motivation for the band, but like, you don't, <laughs> Unfortunately, you don't. You won't get a chance like this. You know, there isn't. Yeah. There isn't a twenty-year reunion. Like I will not. Yeah. You know, um, I will not <clears throat> be sixty years old. Like doing what I yeah. did at New Friends Fest. Like driving. <clears throat> like we we literally were on the road. Like we left my house, and we had to go there and come straight back because like my kids in the middle of all this. Like will will he get his operation? Will he get his operation? Yeah. Know, all this was going on. We left my house in the morning and got back like 32 hours later or something, you know? Whoa. It was just this wild, like, yeah. extra, like, I ain't doing that 62 or whatever, you know? Like, oh, yeah. Nobody's no doing yeah. that. So, like, <clears throat> you know, it's just, yeah, it's wild. Like, you know, uh, go see the Seisha shows. Go see them now. There's not going to be a 40-year reunion. We can't do it, yeah. you know? Um, go, uh, go see hundreds of AU now, you know? Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's, it's wild. Like, and, um, yeah, I mean, you, you did like keep going and like, it's really like the, not just like the amount of stuff that you've done is really impressive, but like the genuine, like, um, diversity in like what you're able to do is also really impressive. Like there's, yeah. you know, we already talked about, there's sort of that, like, 
you know, there's there's Yo Man Go, Amateur Party, two very different things. Then, of course, like, you know, even off Minor and Seisha, even that being sort of like a pretty core creative team was vastly different. Um, the, mm-hmm. I mean, books lie. Uh, um, and then, like, you know, um, one, like one project that I just was barely able to touch on was like um, Pink Coffins, which is like, you know, that was different than a lot of stuff that I had heard you do. Um, just in yeah. that it's mostly like faster and more, it's like, <clears throat> not that it was like less technical than some of your other stuff. Yeah. It just was just more abrasive and to the point <clears throat> in a way. Caveman. Um, yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. I was, I, so I did the guitar player, singer, and I did. Jordan sang in Yo Man Go also. Okay. He, like, he. <clears throat> The and singer, the guitar player, and I did as well, right? That, that huh? Jordan w- was it? Uh, damn, was there one more project like a? We did another project. Joe, Jordan, and I did another project called War Emblem. Right, right, and it was just yeah. like one three-song thing. No, 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 no. Oh no, no. War Emblem did an LP. Oh okay. Uh, protagonist. Yeah, the the Pink Coffins record was kind of a mess. Like I, in hindsight, like. The, the, you know, just recording wise was kind of terrible. <laughs> so, but, uh, yeah, but like that, bit, that bit was fun as it was like, it was like caveman music. Like I was, I was constantly told to make the drums quote more ignorant. Okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, so like poundy caveman stuff. So that was fun. But, uh, no, I think you're thinking, you're probably thinking of ordinary lives. That'd be my guess. Yeah. No, um, uh, there was all of our something. What? Damn it. I don't know. My phone's like across the room. I could have just. That's okay. That's okay. Well, I did the band called Ordinary Lives with Jeff from Bridge and yeah, Tunnel. Yeah, I remember that. And that, that did a, we, we did a seven inch. Oh yeah, that's right. Okay, yeah, 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 that's right. That's right. And was that okay. that was in was that in Pittsburgh though? <clears throat> or did we we played one show with y'all? Was it the last Capacity show? Maybe. 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 I think so. Yeah, yeah I, think, I remember y'all playing that show. I well, we played with play... you in Philly somewhere, though. I think. Yeah, I'm. Not, yeah, I don't. But yeah, I, I remember. I remember that. And I actually, I like pride myself on remembering this shit, but apparently, I'm not so good at remembering it all the time. There's, for me personally, it's like, especially in the example of that uh, last capacity show, which that was another one of these, like, you know. Like a rational person would not do things like this, which is we got into like <clears throat> it was like a Honda Civic mm-hmm. and there's three of us and there was like guitar mm-hmm. heads and there was guitar cases mm-hmm. like we didn't have to bring drums or whatever because we were just like backlining. But like there's three of us in like a Honda Civic and just like a guitar case like pressed up against your head practically for the whole drive from yeah. here all the way to new jersey you know or whatever and um it was it was our guitar player at the time it was um like his like it was yeah the buddhist yeah it was like a family Mm. function or something like literally the next day and he was the one that drove too well we left we drove we played the show we headed straight back and he crashed in my basement for like two hours like to take a nap you know and then Mm -hmm. drove back like two hours north home oh god yeah and it was and if you remember that show if it's the one that we're both thinking of i mean i i know it was the one i'm thinking of but there was like water on the floor and there was like 
for sure there was like water on the floor and um there was like guitar like pedals like just like not that far away from like yeah it wasn't yeah. a lot of water but it was just like there's water on the floor yeah this is not the smartest pedals, thing you can all be you know? right now. and you're like yeah and i'm just like that's cool i'm back here like i was playing drums at the time like i'm yeah. cool you know i will I'll try not to touch this mic, you know. Yeah. Um, uh, I'm all I'm on acoustics back here, you know. This is good. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's just well, like, I always tell people shit. that I tell people that going on tour is a series of bad experiences that, in hindsight, are funny. Yeah. Yeah. Is it's it pretty bad experiences, like bad judgment calls, like so many. Like. Yeah. Um, I was just talking with someone about like all of the ridiculously dangerous situations that you'd been in with like vans where you like just throw a couch in the back because there's no backseat you know i totally did that and you're like that's not only highly illegal and very dangerous uh but uh like who like yeah i don't know you know well i just think of all the time like i'm i'm terrified of flying i hate it i'm really not comfortable with it but i have to do it like i have to i've done it plenty of my life and i you know i'm not gonna i'm not like I can get on a plane. I'm not stoked about it, but I'll get on a plane. But I try to rationalize it to myself. I'm like, okay, how many times have I been riding in the loft of some dumbass tour van that if we had an accident, it would have like rocketed me out of the windshield like a clown cannon, like and I would have died immediately. Like, like I know I was way more likely to die that way, but now I'm worried about flying instead. So I don't know. It's it's just it's yeah, it's it's different. Not the most rational, but it's different. Know different uh fears for different times like i i had a friend who um over christmas like they were visiting uh their in-laws and and uh and one of the in-laws was like moving some gifted furniture like in a box like an ikea box and they were just moving and literally broke their whole back whoa it was like new fear unlocked you know yeah new paranoid fear is just right in there now like that you know once you're at a certain age that becomes a thing that is not that unlikely to happen and like yeah like like worst like worst news like worse and just thinking like yeah you you know you think about at that point when you're like wow all the really the bad calls that we made on the road you know and doing silly stuff and yeah, I mean, we you know, I mean, we're we're lucky or whatever, but uh yeah. <laughs> sort of like jumped around like a lot with like the timeline of your bands and um, like you know the the couple of things that you've been doing most recently other than you know obviously playing the Seisha shows is um you know you uh you've been working with uh Scott and yeah doing that that project now um yeah everything and nothing right or am I getting yeah Okay. Yeah, that's totally that's totally it. I th- totally thought I was gonna mess that up for some reason. Um, and um, did are you do do you have some part in Northeast Regional now as well? Other than just like 
doing some recording work? Did No, I just recorded it. Oh, okay. Um, For some reason... Yeah, Jeff got in touch with me. And was, it's crazy that when that record came out, I was like, I put it on, I'm like, wait a minute, I don't think I recorded this. But so I didn't realize it was like multiple recordings like smashed together, <laughs> which I did not understand. <clears throat> but um, no, Everything and Nothing was, it was initially Scott's solo project. Mm-hmm. And that's all that is on Bandcamp right now. Although we were actually comically supposed to record on Tuesday of this week, but because I had COVID, we did not. Um, but we're supposed to start recording tomorrow. We'll see how this goes. Because I'm now playing like drum machine drums for stuff, which is interesting. Uh, but uh, it should be fun. And uh, yeah, no, that band's been really fun. It's Scott. Uh, is playing guitar. Scott plays guitar in here, has forever. Mm. Um, and our friends, Rosie and John, both of uh, this Florida band, Night Witch. Rosie moved up here, uh, I think, during COVID. Um, and uh, yeah, we've, we've played shows here and there. That's one thing that's really funny. So I was like, oh, Seisha are probably going to play like more shows than everything and nothing next year. The band that practices like every week. Yeah, I was doing that. And, um, I have another project that is like really slow moving, uh, but we're, we're kind of making some headway. We, I did this band for a little while called, um, uh, Oh Jesus. Why can't I think of the name here? Uh, not boring. No, Borwa did for a long time and we did almost nothing. That was with my brother. Um, and we were going to have this big record release show. It was going to be our last, it was a tape release. It was going to be our last show. We had like, set up the venue, set up the other bands. It was going to be this big deal. And that was like April of 2020. <laughs> so that did not uh, happen. Yeah. <clears throat> and that band never played the last show. That was it. Um, but, um, uh, nobody equals, uh, was the band I did with, uh, my friend Willie, who was in Borwar war with me and Nick and Brian from night, that band 1905. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, but like, uh, Nick, Nick, Willie and I are now playing with, uh, this guy, Dave Sanders, who, um, he's, uh, he was in, he was in, um, uh, Heretzicon. What was, what was that? Heretzicon. They were like an old G7 welcoming committee okay. and they're like, they're in New York. I, I don't know. They're cool. Like they, they're, I don't know. I feel like they, they did pretty well. Um, but he's playing bass. So we're trying to like kind of get some momentum, but it's just tricky because yeah, those two dudes live in New York. Willie and I live here. We're all old. Uh, and like Dave is like, a New York Times like staff photographer, uh, Nick like works for like all the like works for some like he like certifies coffee growers as being sustainable. So he's always like whenever I text with him like dude what what continent are you on? He's usually like he'll be in Ethiopia, he'll be in Indonesia, he'll like be wherever. He's always like somewhere crazy. Wow. Where I'm like where are you? Okay. Yeah, so he's all over the place. Yeah, I have the most boring job of everybody in the band. I think <laughs> Willie, our, our guitar player, he's an underwater archaeologist. So, yeah, I have the least cool job. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I mean, I don't think it's the least cool, but I think like, I think that like, it's the you have the mo- the more common, which is like to say a recording engineer is the more common out of a group of people mm-hmm. is pretty wild. But like, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, I was going to, I was going to ask you about that. Like, because like the, the newest here's record has done really well. So like, uh, is that the big, is that like the biggest album that you've like engineered or whatever? Is that, 
Like, are you? I gonna, wonder. Are you end up with like a gold album or something because I I would be shocked. I'd be really surprised. I need gold that, is I need that, that to happen for them first so, of all. Gold is so many records. I know, right? Maybe gold in like another a small country. I don't know, <laughs> uh, but like, yeah, it just seems like that's so many records. I I don't know. Like, I like I don't know. Like, it's funny. Yeah, it's because what I think in my mind of like the bands that have done really well that I've worked with. I mean, I'm sure none of them, like probably like a handful of them probably sold like 10,000 copies of something. Yeah, yeah. Whereas like now, but 10,000 copies, I think will like get you on the fucking billboard charts. Yeah, probably. That's a lot, that's a lot of physical. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I don't probably, I guess, I mean, <clears throat> yeah, I'm trying to think like mischief brew did pretty well. I did a bunch of records with them. Uh, which hunt did all right. I'm trying to, I'm just trying to think of stuff over the years that like, what, I mean, that's the thing is also there's, there's like random weird records, like bands that I've like worked with that like maybe did better than I thought that I, I know of. I don't, I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> I don't yeah. pay the most attention admittedly. Yeah. Um, well, sometimes like, these bands are in different worlds than us, you know? And yeah, I mean, I think, I think Foxdale's have done pretty well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, for sure that last LP of theirs I did. It was funny because, like, someone posted that, like, that needle drop dude, like, video, like, review of it. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I was like, oh, cool, they got a review. But I was like, what the fuck? Like, this has, like, 70,000 views. I was like, who is this <laughs> Like, I think Ryan had to tell me, like, no, that person, like, does the thing. And I was like, oh, okay, I, I don't pay attention. I don't know. Yeah. So. It wasn't anybody that big, but somebody was at our snag release show in – Milwaukee and and they tagged us in this video and like a bunch of people like you know uh followed our accounts or whatever and we sold mm-hmm. more records than usual like on that day or whatever yeah and, um and then like it, it just so happened that like you know um <clears throat> like our friend Nate who's been playing bass at a lot of shows with us like I sent them the uh, the like video where this person like mentioned us, and they were like, "Oh, I thought that's who that was," because like this is like a you know an Instagram like micro celebrity account you know that I that I have you know I, that's not my world, but Nate yeah. like, already totally knew who they were, and like I I was just chatting with this person, they were really nice, and you know and uh, had nice things to say about our our band and our show, and and um, oh cool. And it's like, yeah, I don't, I don't know, I don't know what this is like. But this person has like tens of thousands of followers, you know. Like, I, yeah, I'm just like, who, like, I'm like, that's not the, you know, the world that I like. I don't know. I don't like. I'm not like a. I don't avoid. Uh, I don't avoid the like um, press or whatever you want to call it. Like, mm-hmm. not, I'm not yeah. one of those people, but like. I also don't go looking for it. So like yeah. um it it's really got to be somebody else's effort for me to see something and I mean that's oh, yeah. just I don't know. I think that's been healthy for me because like I can't uh I just have a really weird like um it's it's really weird when you put music out there and mm-hmm. it becomes owned by more than just you, you know? Yeah. So like that's something that I 
uh, not not struggle with, but that's something that is hard for me to like always like take into account, right? Because you're just like, I don't, I'm not one of those like this person didn't get it at all, like type mm-hmm. of people. But like, yeah. At the same time, like sometimes people put words into your mouth and you're like, I don't, I don't, you know, I don't, I don't yeah. really, uh, that doesn't glue with me, you know, or whatever. Yeah. Um, but it takes out, it takes out a life of its own. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Out in the world and, you know, open to other folks' interpretations. And I mean, there's people like that. that they got the Google alerts on and oh, yeah, yeah, they yeah, know yeah. where their Spotify listens <clears throat> come from. And I'm like, I'm like, no, no, thank you. <laughs> like, I don't, yeah. you know, no, thank you. Um, but yeah, um, another project that you've been doing like on and off is obviously uh, the Working Through Rust project with Tom. Oh, um, yeah. It, is that just like, is that just something that you and Tom talk about from time to time and then it comes together pretty quickly each time? Or is it, is it kind of like talk about it and then when it happens, it happens or... There was, I think, like, there was only one time where we actually tried to, like, have forethought about it and, like, do it in person and stuff and try to maybe make a band out of it. And, like, that just, it kind of, like, fell flat a little bit. And I think everything else, for the most part, was, like, kind of COVID project stuff. Mm -hmm. Where he, like, he, like, he wrote that kind of, like, doom, stonery, like. The dog walker. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and he, he like, and I mean, I gotta say like, cause he, cause he, he played all the guitars and recorded all the guitars and bass already. And I had to play drums to that. And I am not great playing the clicks. I gotta say, I'm yeah. like, it was slow. And I, I was like, that was, that was a humbling, humbling project where I was like literally going every single phrase. I was like, I was like, you know, I played it a bunch and I was like, all right, I feel pretty good about it. And like I went back to listen, I'm like holy shit, I'm like way off from this kick hit. Like every, I'm like stretching and moving stuff. And I was like, oh, and I'm st- like now when I listen to it, I'm like, oh, that was a messy edit. Ugh. Like, <laughs> like, why is it when but, it's slow you can't do it? Like that's exactly me too. It's like, are you fucking? It's just harder. Me? Like, yeah, you're with, just like, uh, 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 and then your brain goes somewhere else for just a second, yeah. and you're like, where? Like. You know, well, I mean, I think it's just, I think when it's slower, you really need it to like be subdivided. I think that's like a bigger thing, but also like, I don't know, like I've only recorded one thing that I ever had practiced along with like practice gearing, gearing up to record practice with a click. That was the ordinary live seven inch, um, <clears throat> which uh, will be interesting because uh, everything and nothing got wants to record to a click. And I was like, he didn't mention this till like literally last week. And I'm like, uh, um, Maybe we try that. <laughs> oh, How good. about you have the click in your ear, and I'll just have your yeah. ear in my ear, and we'll be playing the so, click. Yeah, I mean, we'll see. Yeah. I'm curious. I'm, I told him. I told him I'll give a shot. We'll see what happens. And if yeah. not, we'll just turn the fuck off and yeah. we just record. Yeah. So I reckon yeah. that makes a lot of sense. You know, for it, like Scott's used to that. You know, sort of. You have to <coughs> when when you're doing hears and you have. The, the drums coming out of the PA mm-hmm. and they are absolutely unforgiving. You know, you don't get yeah. a second pass, you know, you gotta get a, you know, be right with it and stay yeah. with it. So that makes a lot of sense, but. And I, and I will say Scott, like Scott to his credit, great drummer. 
honestly like probably better than me in a lot of ways like <laughs> I, and I, I, I hate that like, when everybody when somebody's better than you at, at literally everything they touch you're like you know yeah just leave something leave something like, like yeah yeah um, bone yeah i mean i'm not i'm no slouch i'm all right but like yeah. man but he i think he i think his dad is a drummer too so i think he like kind of grew up with it so like i feel less bad about that but um <clears throat> It's, it's it makes for an interesting uh, dynamic sometimes, but uh, see how this goes. Yeah. But um, no, and I, I appreciate it. it's cool. It's it's really that band is really fun. I like hope we get to do some more. Although it's hard because like honestly, like when I can't imagine that we're gonna have time to tour because I think any touring time Scott actually has is gonna be here. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he already can't do all the here's tours. Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've noticed that there's <clears throat> there's more and more collective coming to the collective, which is which yeah. is very cool. But obviously, yeah. you know, uh, Scott would love to do as much as you know he can. But uh, yeah, yeah, it's um, yeah, I when you when you he's say, a plumber, he's got he's got a career. Oh, oh, he's a plumber. I didn't even know that. He's a plumber, yeah. I had just chatted with him, and I didn't. We didn't get into that part, but because uh, like I actually like, and it was another one of those things where. I was just like, oh, this is that Scott from here. It's like I'm literally realizing that like while we're talking. Like, yeah. Because I just contacted from like the Instagram page. I just heard the demo. I was like, this is sick. Like I'll reach out and, you know, didn't know. And then we we get in talking about like all the other awesome bands that he's been in. And it's like, you know, next thing. And it's like, <clears throat> shit, well, this is the, you know, second time that like, I've I've talked to somebody where I'm talking about like their other bands when I'm like a huge fan of their sort of main band, you know? Yeah. <laughs> the other one was like DJ from Soul Glow. Like we oh, barely okay. talked about, you know, Soul Glow. It was, it was just like one of those like, hey, wait, this is like I just, you know, I was like, damn, this Nine of Swords album is fucking cool, you know? Let me chat yeah. with somebody from Nine of Swords, and the next thing, and I'm like, wait, you're that, TJ? And they're like, <laughs> yeah. And we're like, oh, shit. Well, you know, I got to talk to Pierce at some point, you know? And then we'll, we'll get the comprehensive guide on that. But uh, yeah. yeah, when you said, uh, when you were talking about Click, I thought you were going to say, I've recorded to Click, like, one time, and I, my immediately response, my response was I've recorded to click one time well. Like okay. <laughs> I've recorded uh. to click several times, but I've recorded to click one time well. And uh Well, it just feels funny to me because as like an engineer, if bands talk to me about it, I'm like, well, it only really makes sense if you practice if you've been practicing with it, go for it. That's great. But yeah. otherwise like there's no you're just gonna make yourself crazy. So if I was just the engineer, I'd be like, No, you're not playing to click. But yeah. I would strongly suggest it. I don't really, I don't, not, telling bands straight up no is not really my vibe, but yeah. Yeah. The, anyway, sorry. In my defense, the last time I tried to record to click, I was like, okay, I'm not getting this. I'm going to pass it along to someone else because I was doing mm -hmm. other things on the, the project anyway. So I passed it yeah. on to someone else. They recorded it. Uh, they were like, yeah, I mean, it was. I didn't have too much of a problem, you know, and I'm like, that's great, that's great. Then mm -hmm. later, 
the person who had sent me like the guitars and stuff was like, oh, one of those guitars got slid like a scooch. And I was like, there you go right there. Like, that's why I couldn't do it. This other guitar was like fucking me up. Like, yeah, it was like huh. it got slid. And so I was like trying to like jump into like I would hear this other guitar like coming on and I'm like, I'm trying to jump into that. And it was mm -hmm. off. So I was just like, I I did this thing. I did. I was really going, you know, out of my way to try to make this work. I'm, I'm turning that guitar off and I'm just following the other thing. And I'm turning this off and I'm just following. Yeah. And then, and then like, I'm like, but I need that one guitar because that's where the snare hit has to hit on that guitar note. So yeah. I record to just the one guitar and I'm like, I got it. I got it. And then I turned that other guitar back on and I'm like, I don't got it. And then, and I should have just been like, it's because of that other guitar is, but I'm one of those people that like, I will blame myself for mm -hmm. the problem before I blame anybody else, you know? Yeah. So fair. Like I was like, it must be me. I must just be terrible at this, you know? And, mm -hmm. uh, but I mean, it worked out in the end, but yeah, like recording to a click is so weird and I've, I've done it and every time I've done it, I've been like, I don't know, people can do this in a way where it doesn't feel so sterile or just mm -hmm. like static or whatever, you know, yeah. but, um, I'm not one of those people when I am doing it, you, it's like, it's like I'm. I feel like, uh, like one of those like lie detector test things mm -hmm. is going, and and like I'm looking over at the computer for like, I'll make like notes or whatever, and I feel yeah. like at any point the thing's gonna jump off and they're gonna be like liar, and I'm gonna screw everything up, and so it's just like everything is very by the books, and I don't know, yeah, doesn't make as doesn't make an interesting, you know, performance from from my. <coughs> For sure. Yeah, I don't, I don't love that. I don't love them generally. But like some people, if they practice all the time, they'll click. Like there's a couple drummers in town here who I record very frequently, and like they're they're monsters on the click. They're great on them. Yeah. So and like when, I'm not going to tell those people to not play to a click. Yeah. When you <laughs> it helps them. They're used to it. Whatever. Like like I said, the one time that I prepared, I would just have a click in my headphones at practice. Mm -hmm. I'm like, okay, I start the song. Play the song so no one was hearing a click of me. Mm -hmm. And it worked really well. There was one part of a song that it just didn't work. It was like the end of a song. It didn't like really work. So <clears throat> I don't know. I think I just like did a pass without the click just for that part. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, it's, it's, it's not, I mean, you just need to get used to it. And like the thing is, if you're, if you're hyper focused on the click, yeah, you're going to like play like shit probably. You're not going to like play, you're not, because you're not thinking about your part. Yeah. You know, yeah, and it's not, it's not, it's not benefiting anybody. I'm just really, I'm just really boring when it comes to that, especially because I don't know the way, I, the way I like to write songs and stuff, it doesn't make sense. Like, it's like, I, I like absolutely, I absolutely thrive on like parts where it sounds like everybody's about to screw up, you know? Mm -hmm. And like, I just don't, I don't know how you do that with a click. I don't know how you just like, I don't know. Do you like write like, do you write do you sort of set the click for like two different speeds like how do you you know i don't i really know how that, all that works like i have to like it has mm -hmm. to be going 
and then I have to follow, be following it. And like, I don't know how yeah. to just like have something sound where I like, where it's going to fall apart. And then like, you know, all this and that, I don't know. And plus, you know, like probably much like you, I got started, you know, with like a task cam and stuff, you know? Yeah. And so, mm -hmm. uh, I'm, I just, uh, have like grown up just like sort of, okay, what's the most live way we can make all this happen while still yeah. being able to do everything <clears throat> that we can do after the fact, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, um, I mean, uh, it's, you know, we, we have been chatting for quite a while and we've talked a lot about like the bands you've played in and stuff. And I really did want to like, um, get sort of a lot of like, you know, stuff that some people might not be like super interested in, but some people who are just getting started, like, um, with recording their own bands and stuff it yeah. would find really helpful. Um, and like, you know, for someone who's been doing it as long as you have, like, I feel like you could probably put together a very good, like starter kit for recording your first demo. Like what mm -hmm. would that look like for you? Mm. If you were like, okay, <clears throat> you don't have a ton of money. Uh, yeah. But this is what you're going to want to try to do. This is like, you could get four songs out this way. You know, you could, you mm -hmm. could put together like a, a really good demo on a budget. Like, yeah, here, here's what you need to do. Hmm. Uh, <clears throat> well, I think I would push someone to probably use Reaper because it's basically free. Mm. Um, and it's not it's a resource a hog either. Huh? It doesn't hog like computer resources much. Either. No, it's really it's really easy on old computers yeah. too. Yeah, it's, it's really it's very light CPU. It's like a really small program. So that for starters. Uh, second, and this is going to be the most. I mean, as someone who has been making records for twenty five years, this is like the fucking thing that everyone tells you, and it's so fucking boring, and it's not it's not an exciting thing to spend money on or talk about, but like your room correction is a big deal. And okay. if you're not using, if you're using headphones, um, you can use something like, uh, <clears throat> like sonar works. I think the headphone only program they offer is like 75 bucks maybe. Um, and that it, it will correct. Like, so basically it'll make what you're hearing your headphones a lot more accurate. Cause headphones, I would never in a thousand years mix anything on headphones again these days. Um, but, um, I also, I have room correction, um, because you're every, every set of speakers, every room is going to sound different. And if you can't hear what you're actually recording properly, then you, you, it doesn't really matter like what microphone you use or where you put the, I mean, that does matter, but it's not going to, like, if you can't hear what you're actually, what you're actually capturing accurately, then you're, then you're, you're already like two steps behind yeah, yeah. 10 steps behind from where you should be. I mean, cause also like, I don't know, like microphones are so goddamn cheap these days. They're so cheap. Like, like decent ones are cheap. Like I, the first condenser mic I bought was a fucking road NT one, which was, I think at the time, like 300 bucks. It was like a cheap condenser you could get. It sounded 
fucking terrible. I hated it. And it, it was, it was like, I, it was on, I used it, I think first on the assistant, uh, when I recorded them for the first time in like early 2000. And I think, and I think they all sang into it at once on one track. They had one open track left on my eight track. Cause I didn't understand how to bounce track. So I was an idiot. Um, but, um, yeah. So yeah, I mean, you can buy, I mean, God, there's that like company, like 12 gauge microphones. I think you can get condenser mics for like fucking, I don't know, 30 bucks or something. Like you can get microphones for dirt cheap yeah, and they I've, will. I've got a, like a Samson that was like 50 and, um, it's, yeah. it's probably, I mean, as far as recording goes, it's probably not, not good, but I do have another one that like I ended up with that's like a $300 one and like you know, like you said, the room has a lot to do with it. So this, in an, in an optimal room, this other one probably shines over this Samson. But in the mm-hmm. room that I'm stuck with, like you can't fucking tell the difference. So yeah. it, it is that it is that like uh, that that variance, you know. And like, yeah. could you get away with this fifty dollar Samson these days? Like, probably mm-hmm. for whatever you know, especially if it's the first thing and you don't know anything about EQ and whatever, you know. Yeah, I mean that. Like it's so. <clears throat> I mean, there's a thousand videos you can watch on the internet. Unfortunately, a lot of the people who make them, uh, there are plenty of people out there who make them who don't know what they're talking about. Anyone who's like, oh yeah, this is what you should always do for a bass drum or for a guitar. Like, mm-hmm. don't listen to those people because mm-hmm. that's not how it really works. Um, but you. Um, yeah, I mean, I think, I think honestly, like being able to tell, like your, tell he, your listening environment, like even if it's just headphones, like having something that is accurate, is more important than anything, and it's really not fun to buy stuff like that, but it will make a huge difference because, yeah, you, whatever your space is, not everyone's going to listen in that space, and you want something to translate to as many places as possible. I mean, yeah, you can go. Yeah, you can go spend, like, I don't know, I feel like you could go easily spend $500 tomorrow and, like, have enough stuff to record a full band, mm-hmm. you know? You might get need to get creative, like, sure, maybe, like, maybe you're taping a microphone to a cymbal stand, like, I don't know, maybe you're hanging it down from the ceiling, like, whatever. Like, there's plenty of nice stuff out there. <clears throat> you don't need to go that crazy. You need to actually, like, listen to your, use your ears, listen, you know, and just, like, experiment and try stuff out like you can get a you can get a pretty decent picture of a drum kit with just like three microphones you can get away with just like a mic and a kick drum and you can do like the glenn johns technique mm-hmm. you know have a microphone kind of draped down from the ceiling like kind of looking down <clears throat> like mm-hmm. kind of near where the rack tom and snare drum kind of meet and then have another one looking at the floor over the floor tom at the hi-hat Mm-hmm. You know, that's not, it's not, yeah, you're, it's not going to sound like a fucking metal record where you hear like the the attack of every single Tom hit and like all that amazing details there necessarily, yeah. but like you can still get a decent picture of the band and of the drummer and like anything after that drums are the hard thing, like guitar, vocal, bass, like you have one mic, you know, put it in a place that you know, I feel like you're better off having a little distance, you know, for a guitar amp. I usually do like six, eight inches off the speaker. Cause when you start getting up real close, that's when stuff gets a little, I don't know, 
gets a little, little less forgiving. It's a lot. It's a lot easier to not screw up when you're far back. <clears throat> um, I'd always like. I'd always heard like, you know, if you if you can cut a hole out of the cloth or take the cloth off, like get it right up on that speaker. And um, I always, I always double mic, so I always have one that's right in there, and then one that's back a little, which can, yeah. can that can create phase problems sometimes, but yeah, not really. I don't know. It depends, I guess. Like I yeah. have dealt with that, but I don't always experience that either. So mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know. I guess that's just a probably a lot of factors there that I'm, you know, are a little out of my pay grade. But uh, yeah, I mean, I. At this point, I have, I have a stupid, like truly ridiculous amount of gear, like to the point that like I have, I had, I could mic up three full bands at the same time, and not really have to compromise on anything. It's 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 that ridiculous. Yeah. I couldn't fit, I couldn't fit two full bands in my studio. My studio's not big. Yeah. Um. But like it. But like I, I have a lot of stuff. But yeah. But I will say that like. You know, positioning, mic positioning is a huge, huge deal. Um, that makes, that means a lot. I mean, basically like, so like the actual, the player and the instrument, that's like 90% of the sound. The microphone you choose and where you put it is probably another 5%. And like everything else gets like smaller from there. It's like, oh, like this mic preamp is like 1%. And like this EQ is like 1%. And this distortion or whatever, or compressor plug-in you use on this maybe another one it's all it's all it gets like diminishing returns yeah yeah but like the main thing is the performance and the player because yeah i mean i don't know listen to how like how many records do we all have from the early 80s that sound like utter shit yeah and they're still awesome like i don't know minor threat records sound fucking bad they sound real real bad <laughs> and i mean even like even the right to spring record the fucking snare drum sounds like a bucket it sounds awful <laughs> but that record's phenomenal because they're a brilliant band yeah like it doesn't matter yeah. like we just try to not fuck it up i mean yeah i mean i i i don't know yeah i mean telling someone what to what to buy or whatever seems crazy i would just try to use what you got you know if you got some ancient ass laptop fucking go with it you just got to get something to get microphones i mean but also like experiment try weird shit i don't know i remember hearing about how like i'm pretty sure this is how Deerhoof recorded their first record they had because there used to be a version of pro tools it was called pro tools free and it only you can only record two tracks at a time and i think they had four mics for a drum set and they so they used two laptops and they had to like sync it up they're like one, two, three, and hit record at the same time. I think that's how they recorded the drums for their first record. And the even, but the more bananas thing they did was the guitar player really liked how the attack. This is in like a tape op interview with them. I've had I've had tape op. I've been getting tape op since one of the first ones I got was a photocopied version. It was number four. What? I bought it. In, I bought it in uh at this this uh this record store called Ethereal on like Avenue A in like probably, I don't know, 1997 or something. But anyway, <clears throat> they, um, but they got, there wasn't that old an interview, but anyway, but the guitar player, he really liked the attack of the, the first time he like strummed the guitar. So he punched in every fucking note on the record. Like one, he played the record on guitar uh, one uh, note at a time, which is <laughs> fucking bananas. Like that is insane. But like, 
it worked for them. It's cool. Whatever. Like, I don't know. Just experiment. Fuck around. Do shit you like. Trust your ears. But like, but listen to what you're like. Be able, be able to listen to what you're recording and make an act, an accurate decision on it. Because yeah, you're like little Samsung speakers or whatever Behringer speakers. They're probably not going to have any low end. They're probably going to be scooped as fuck. They're probably going to have like they're they're probably going to sound totally wrong. And where you put them in the room will probably also be wrong. And the fact that you have no treatment in your room is probably also going to hurt you. Like it's just like you're you're just like I've eliminated as few as many things as you can. It's really right, funny. If you do headphones, use that like sonar work shit. Because you're like you're like talking directly about my situation. Like everything <laughs> that you're saying is like you're doing everything wrong, Edie. Which is fine because like the thing is like I did for a long time. <laughs> well, the other part is I was gonna say is this is like sort of in my defense and like judge my recordings on this all all you like because I you know I know I know that like what I'm doing is is it's like. Like I'm happy with it, so it's like you yeah, know, then that's it's all that technically matters. whatever is fine. And I'm not saying all you're right. like bad mothing my recordings, but like uh, here's this is this is the antithesis. Like if you're not listening to Steve right now and you're being a fool like me and being like, yeah, well, it's a, actually my my situation is different. It's because like I my the, the computer that I'm using like is the first thing that I need to do, and I haven't been able to do that. Like the computer yeah. I'm using is like 15 years old, but anyway. This is what I have to do to get around what you're saying. Yeah. Because you're you're absolutely correct, obviously. I get zero. I do not know. So what I got is I got like three different kinds of headphones. Mm -hmm. Check them on this one. Check them on this one. Check them on this one. And then what I got is I got like three cars or something. You know, and then yeah. I have computer speakers upstairs that are different from the like, mm-hmm. and I do have a um, a sub down here, so it's a little better than nothing. But yeah, and so so what I've learned to do is this internal <clears throat> like it's like math in my head, like yeah. I'm figuring out the middle of all these, mm-hmm. like where how can I meet all of these problems that I'm hearing mm-hmm. in the middle. And and I've gotten to where I'm passable at that, and and it's like if I could do what you did, what you're saying, and I hope to someday. I mean, mm-hmm. I've been recording myself for 13 years now, so I don't know when that someday would be. But yeah. like, but like, if I could do that, I could. My life would be so much easier, you know. So just listen to Steve, get your room correction, you know, like, um, because or else you're just gonna be like, well. It sounds like it sounds okay in the car, but it sounds like shit on the computer. And then you're also listening to it on just like just coming out of your iPhone, because that's mm-hmm. also another sort of like yeah. test, you know. Like mm-hmm. if there's if, I mean that's built for like vocals. So like if you if your vocals are too loud, then you're literally not going to hear anything else, mm-hmm. you know. And it's just like yeah. so there's all those, and that's like. Yeah, you could save yourself a lot of trouble if you just are able to hear it the way you're supposed to hear it, you know, et cetera. You won't have to be, you know. I mean, everybody knows about the car test and all that, you know. Uh, most people yeah. know about the, if like, you turn it down. If you, know, if you know your room and your speakers, then you're golden. But, like, unless you've spent, like, thousands of hours making records in that room and or on those speakers, like you're, you're, you're at a disadvantage. That's all. I mean, 
For example, I will say the last station seven inch, I recorded it. Um, Which one was it. the last one? Aaron L. Okay. I thought so, but I wouldn't, didn't want yeah. to speak out of time. So I, I recorded it at NYU in like the, the nice, the nice studio at NYU, oh, which one. in 1999 was not very nice. <laughs> um, it was on, yeah, I mean, it was, the room was super, super tiny and stupid. It was so silly, but I mixed it on these speakers that are still prolific in a lot of studios. They're called NS10. They were made by Yamaha. They uh, are mid-rangey as fuck. Like everything, like the vocals poke out so much in them. And I had never worked on them before. And so I made the vocals like a normal level to me at that time in that room on those speakers. And then when Chris Williams from Witching Hour heard it, he's like, the vocals are too low. And so we were already like about to leave on tour. I did not have time to do anything about it. So we ended up sending the, the, digi- the digital tapes we recorded on DA88s. Or they, were, they were these old, um, uh, not ADAPs ran on, on VHS tapes. Mm-hmm. DA88 ran on like a different form. I'm trying to remember what the hell the format was. But hey, whatever. Little digi- digital audio tapes. Both formats fucking suck. They're terrible at garbage. But anyway, um, but we sent them to this guy who transferred them to to tape, and he remixed it. And we didn't even like basically get to like approve it. We were like on tour, and so like the vocals were so fucking loud. Oh shit! And Billy and Billy double tracked the vocals. Like if you listen to the Aaron Allman, like they're so loud. And I was bummed because um, a few years later. Greg got a copy of got a not a copy. He got the actual reel that had, that had been transferred to. And I was like, "Hey, dude, I have a tape machine that'll actually play that reel. Can I please remix it before you put out the discography?" And he was always prick, and he wouldn't let me do it. So <laughs> to this day, still out there uh, as is, but super loud. Like, yeah, yeah I still have I have my mixes of it on CDR. That I've tried to like tinker around with a little bit. There's some like some companies make some things that will allow you to, like rebalance stuff a little bit, but the con- the problem is that Billy's vocals are so low in some spots that it just like doesn't recognize them as vocals. So, uh, oh well. Yeah, it, so, it's been a long time since I've put that record on. I, I do have it. I. Um, it sounds ridiculous. Yeah, it's it's it really it's, sounds ridiculous. It's been a while. Um, yeah. It's funny when <clears throat> it's funny to hear like. Like I knew as soon as you you know said somebody else mixed it and you didn't get to approve it that it was going to be a loud vocal thing because that's like that's typical right like you know somebody's like yeah I think I think you know well I think I think it's just well I mean I feel like it's less the case now I think way back then uh, I think you were punks or people who were familiar with punk and hardcore like had studios or had access to studios really. So that, so like, yeah. So usually you'd go to the studio and it was like the guy be like, Oh, he's good. I should record this like a metal band. And that's what they did, you know? And so that would have vocals up, you know, or like, yeah, I mean, I, I occasionally work on, I mean, I don't only work on punk and hardcore and stuff. And I still have to like think in the back of my brain, like, okay, vocals gotta be louder for these guys. I gotta remember to like do that. This, you know, like, Americana project or whatever the hell that I'm working on, you know, mm-hmm. like, okay, I need to like turn off punk brain fight a little that, bit. Fight those impulses yeah. to like, yeah. Keep that so, 
So yeah, uh, carve out space. Anyway, yeah. Yeah, like uh, following along those lines, um, and like you, you do a lot of mastering projects, and um, like you know, mastering is a thing where where it's like a, you know, um. It's this really mysterious art form, you know, that a lot of people don't understand, like what it is, what it does, you know, et cetera. Yeah. And um, I'm like, you know, I'm not, I'm not, not guilty of that either. But um, uh, I have, I have gotten better, like at, you know, working on my own stuff. I, I, mm-hmm. I would, I would not um, ever. I would. People have asked me, like, if, like like for a comp that I'm doing or something they're like, we have an unmastered track and it's like something that has to get done right away. And it has to. And so I'll be like, okay, this isn't something I usually do, but I will do it. You know? So that's where I'm at with, with that. But like, um, you know, there's like, if you go online, the information Mm -hmm. can be hard to find. So what, as far as like, say the band does get, a recording that they're halfway good at, but like, or that they're happy with or whatever, but they need to have it mastered. And so they're mm-hmm. going to send it to you or they're going to send it to Will or whoever. Like, yeah. what, what do you need to tell them? Do not do this stuff because everybody always does this, does this stuff. I know the probably the biggest thing is like, they're not leaving you any room. They're sending you something yeah. that's like peeking out all the time. Yep. And so where, where do you want people to put things before they send it to you? Like, you know, just as a, like, this is where you should be at before you send it off for mastering. Yeah. I would say probably if you're not, I mean, I would, I would encourage people to not run it through a limiter, not run it through bus compression that like smashes the utter shit out of it. Like, you don't yeah, want, that's, that's you don't really, want like long rectangular waveforms. You're not. Yeah, the wave it should look like it should look something like a waveform. It shouldn't look like a box. Like, yeah, I mean, I'm guilty of it. I mean, I I will say that like as I've got better recording, I'm a lot more. Uh, I'm a lot. Uh, I'm I'm more reluctant to like leave anything to mastering. Like I try to get something as close as I fucking want it. Like I'll try to leave them a little headroom. I try to, but I don't want them having to do any big, any big moves. For sure. You know, and I will say like, personally, like, you know, I was like mastering. I feel like for a while I definitely did it. I felt like more, probably more of a hack than anything at it. And I feel like I'm, I understand it a hell of a lot more these days. I have a much better listening environment. I, my ears have gotten better. I think, I, I think I have a lot, a lot more insight to it. Um, and it's, 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 it's hard. It's, it's really, yeah. I mean, uh, like you don't, <clears throat> I will say that you don't want the mastering engineer to have to do anything drastic, but I will say that like, um, a thing that can help, um, is to, especially if you, depending on your listening environment, if you don't have a subwoofer or anything that really recreates your real low end a lot, I would use high passes in your EQs on fucking everything, except for a bass drum, probably, and maybe not your bass guitar too much. But yeah, guitars, vocals, toms, toms, like, not, they're, they're, there's nothing lower than 50 hertz coming out of those things that you want 
in your recording. Because you're just you're just eating up headroom and you're making you're making less room for the bass drum, making less room for the bass. Um, those are big moves. Don't don't go too crazy boosting high end and upper mid range if you can help it. Because this just just makes your ears bleed. Just hurts after a while. You know, are your the thing is like you, <clears throat> especially I would encourage people to not boost make EQ boosts or big EQ boosts if you've been working for a while especially if it's loud because your ears get tired and you don't really that's just you don't what really, they're doing they're just accommodating for that like yeah you're just you're just compensating for for what what's what's getting turned off yeah in your ears so yeah I mean yeah I mean I'd say if you're sending stuff off to master leave some headroom for sure Try to lop off as much sub low frequency bullshit on things that don't need it. You know, yeah. If you're listening, if you're soloing your guitar when you're like getting your sounds or whatever, and you like want to feel that like low end, whatever, that's cool. But you you don't need or want that in in your mix. I mean, like this. If you listen to records, it's wild sometimes. Like I don't remember listening to like you know that last Refused record before they got back together, The Shape of Punk to Come. Like, the kick drum's kind of thin sounding. Like, a lot of the lows, like, from the bass. And, like, whatever synth shit they probably have going on in there. But, like, it's wild. Like, the drums do not sound real thick. But they fit, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not saying that's necessarily the way everyone should do things. But, like, you can't... You know, you should think of it like a... Like a single, you know, a single screen or piece of paper. Like, you can't have the one thing take over, like, the whole thing. You need to, like, carve space for things. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I'm gonna get. I'm getting real rambly here. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, this is you know, this is good information because it's like it is. It is like you, you know, like you touched on before, where it's like you will go on YouTube and you will find people that have uh, just about every opinion you could think of, and they mm-hmm. all conflict each other. And another thing is they're not they're not talking about the kind of music that you're making either, you know? Yeah, but I, they're talking I would say about, that's, not, that's not always important. Right, right. And I was going to yeah. say that. It's like some, some of these things, uh, they are universal sort of, you know, whatever, because the, the, like you said, the kick drum is the kick drum, you know? It doesn't matter if you're playing this or whatever. But, you know, but sometimes it's just like, you know, when someone is telling you... Um, you want to you really want to boost the highs in that vocal because that brings it above the whatever like that might not be what you want to do for your mineral worship band you know like, you don't yeah. want to boost the highs in that like you don't sound like the person from mineral by doing that you sound mm-hmm. like that because you're actually killing the highs you know you don't mm-hmm. get that like same you know feel and um so yeah it's like you know uh, a lot of it can like you can watch somebody uh, mixing a hip hop um, thing, and you can learn things that, you know, you can learn a lot about, like uh, um, um, high passes and stuff, you know, specifically because mm-hmm. that's a that's a big thing in a lot of those kinds of yeah. productions, is uh, d- doing those little spots where you know, and that's how 
that's how you you can almost date like punk recordings based on like where certain tricks you know start happening mm -hmm. in the recordings like that where it's like mm -hmm. oh it sounds like the drums are far away in the beginning of the song you know and then the whole song yeah. comes in and you're like oh now i know what that is now i know how you do that but uh yeah yeah it's um there's a lot of that 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 is universal but it's like there's a lot of bad information and so you know it's it's cool to hear it like you said you've been doing this a long time and there's a lot of uh you know um i've talked about before just like you know i've i've you were talking about the one note at a time and everybody knows the story about john bonham and the one drum you know mike and um and then like i had another conversation where somebody was saying how uh i think it was one of the beatles albums or something all the individual drums were recorded separately like mm -hmm. like they hear here now they're doing the hi-hats individually or you know whatever and um yeah i don't know i always think that that stuff is really fascinating and mm -hmm. like i mean i did one recording on a four track where it was like we had the microphones in front of the guitar amps but we were mm -hmm. also doing the vocals live so we were screaming oh, well. into the same microphones that were recording oh, God. guitars. Yeah. So we would do we did a couple takes and we're like we put like tape on the ground for where we should stand and we're like, no, yeah. the vocals are too loud. Back the tape up. So like yeah. now we're standing here. Okay, it's perfect now. And like uh -huh. you yeah. can have like such interesting uh results, you know, and you can make oh, like a really cool interesting thing it like doesn't matter and i think that's the beauty of it but like to s go back to uh what you're saying about like albums sounding bad and still being the most important album you've ever heard and we're going to talk yeah. about a band that we talked about before probably my definitely one of my two favorite seven inches of all time is that kmb communique seven inch and like it's probably it's i do not if i could make a record sound the way that record sounds i would absolutely do it like i would get off this call right now and do it All right but like i <clears throat> that's one of those things like how would you do that with what i have i don't even know if you could like you because it's a different world we're in now you know what i mean you like are you familiar with that recording? Uh, I not not that I'm remembering. Like, I I for sure fucking own it, yeah. but I don't I don't remember what it sounds like. Uh, I couldn't even uh, guess like how that was recorded. I couldn't even guess. Like sounds like maybe like a a maybe like a a, a Tascam like eight track or something. It sounds like a little better than like one of the four tracks, but not much. You know, could yeah. have been a four track. Well, if, it, if it was an eight track, it would probably sound thinner and shittier because the track width was even smaller. Well, like I said, between that and like the busy seven inch by Jawbreaker, like those are t those are that's like tied for my favorite seven inches of all time. So like, I'm not, I wonder the KMB record might have been done. I wonder if Pat did it because that might have been a half inch eight track. Hmm. I wonder. Huh. Sorry. I'll, 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 I'll look into this. It's wild because you know, like we're saying, like thinner and shittier, and it's like 
I absolutely cannot describe that record as shitty in any capacity. I'm just like so emotionally attached to it at this point. But like, yeah, we know it's not a good recording, right? Like, it's like we we know I'm that. Assuming. Like, yeah, and it's like, but there, that's one of those instances like we were talking about. You can make magic out of anything if oh, totally. if the performance songs, is there. Yeah, if the songs are there, if the performance is there, it's like you said, 80% of it or whatever is this. It's what's going into it. And then the yeah. diminishing returns. Well, they must have gotten more than that 80 or they must have had 99% of it. And then, you know, and then yeah. the rest was, was history. But yeah, it's, um, it's like I personally am always like, I want to I want to experiment more. I want to do more wild stuff, you know. I want to get weirder with it. I want to try different things, but then I am like, well, I know how to do it this way, so I'll just do it this way instead, you know. But uh, Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, I'm trying to shoot my dog outside. Oh, okay. Um But yeah, I mean, you know, we this is uh probably the longest uh episode uh yet so um you know um, rambling too long sorry oh no it's it's uh it's all good there's a lot of a lot of good stories and a lot of good information and you know that's we're here for that so um uh but uh around long enough that's that's the trick (laughs) (laughs) but um as we like sort of wrap it up though like it are there is there anything that we didn't talk about that we should talk about like um you obviously like you can mention the Chicago Seisha show, you can mention the Milwaukee Seisha show, but they're both sold out. So, <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, good luck no, with that. But uh, don't need help promoting it, I yeah. suppose. What else no, is coming uh, up that you that you're excited about that you want to talk about? Uh, stuff that's coming up that uh, stuff that's coming up that I'm excited about. You know, I'm excited. Seisha have have a lot on our plate for next year. A lot of stuff hasn't been announced yet. <clears throat> we are have a very busy year ahead of us. Um, hopefully, including some new music, which we have kind of really? in pipeline right now. We'll 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 see. We'll see. We'll see. Okay. But yeah, we we're working on some stuff. Hopefully, okay. some of this. It's just it's hard. We're all all over the place, so it's uh, it's tough writing things. Um, but uh, you know, we're giving it a go and see what happens. Uh, I'm excited about everything and nothing. Doing some stuff this year. Uh, I'm excited for that new Massanera record to come out. This book was quite a fear. Oh yeah. Their set oh, at new friends really Fest fun. was like, I cried. Their set was They're so great. Good. Yeah. Oh, I will say also, I'm going to probably butcher the fucking pronunciation of their name, but Oxiana Saint, they oh, recorded yeah. with me a couple months back. I think X-Peak. Nicole was finishing up. I think, doing, I think they were mixing themselves and probably doing some overdub, whatever business, but we got the bulk done down here a couple months back, and they're fucking awesome. Uh, really, really, really impressive, awesome band. Like I, I thought Peak were great, and we played with when we when they should play with Peak. And uh, sorry, dogs are losing their minds here. Hey, 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 hey. Um, but yeah, they're they're really, I think, gonna do some really cool stuff. Like they, I know it's like a lot of the same people from Peak, like I said, who are, are a great band, lovely people. But uh, I think this band is its own thing and it's really fucking good and really impressive and I really encourage people to check them out. They're great. Yeah, I can't wait to hear it. Uh, yeah, but uh, yeah, I don't know. That's kind of like, I'm like, I've, I've been in like COVID, COVID cave for the last week so I'm a little, little, little uh, loopy at the moment. Probably yeah. more, the more, more human interaction I've had 
not with my wife or a two-year-old uh, for a while. So, um, sure. But uh, I appreciate your time. Thanks for for uh, inviting me on the show. And that was my conversation with Steve Roche. Thank you so much, Steve, for taking the time to chat with me. It was an absolute pleasure as always. And can you believe that? There will be new music from Seisha. Like, I'm out of my mind over that. Until next time, take care and do good things. Bye.